Well, again, good evening. Like Nicole said, my name is Kurt, and uh, I'm the director of Next Steps and Connections here at Soul City, and I'm excited to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your afternoon to come and to worship with us and as we join together and continue in our awakening series that we've been in since the beginning of the year. Uh, if you've been around since, since the beginning of January, you know that this is a six-week series that we're doing, and we're really focusing on what God might want to do new in our life this year. That, that so many times we make resolutions and we want things to be a certain way and we want things to change. And yet all too often we find ourselves stuck in the same old patterns and same old uh, situations again and again and again. And so what we're looking at through this series is really how do we awaken to something new? That instead of just trying harder or doing better, that we could actually awake to maybe the story that God might be writing and wanting to write in our life. And we've been kind of pulling all of this from a, a passage in the book of Isaiah that's really the central passage for this whole series for us. And it's this promise that God makes to the prophet Isaiah, and I believe tonight wants to make to us as well. And, and many of us have been memorizing it, trying to learn it throughout the week. We read it every week of this series. And so if you've been around, uh, you can maybe quote it from memory and do it with your eyes closed and feel good about yourself. But for the rest of us, uh, it's going to be up on the screen. But I would love for us just to read it out loud together as we get started tonight and, and to really hear these words from God, that, that we would be awakened to something new and something different. So let's read it out loud together. And again, I, I said this this morning, you guys are the five o'clock crowd. The morning crowd was a little like... Forget the past. Okay. So out loud, like you are out loud at a football game or something, nice and loud. Ready? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I knew you guys had it in you. You guys are the best. Um, but we, we look at that passage and we hear those words, right? And you might be sitting here tonight saying, yeah. Don't dwell on the past. Think of something new. That sounds good. Maybe all, maybe all the church people in the room can do that, but, but not me. And, and maybe you're sitting here tonight thinking, I don't even know how to get past my past, or I don't know how to get past these things that keep pulling me back into the same patterns and same cycles that I find myself stuck in. And my hope is that tonight, for all of us, uh, whether this is your first time, whether you've been here for a long time, that we can look at God's word together and, and, and hear from him ultimately about what he wants to do that is new, what he wants to spring up like a, a new flower, which sounds really nice in the winter cold of January, right? But, but something new that he wants to birth, to grow, to have come out of our lives this year. And so my hope is that we can look at the scriptures together tonight and, and to find a way ultimately to, to live free in this new year. So let's pray as we get started, and then we'll dive into the message tonight. God, thank you so much just for the fact that you are doing new things, that at this church we see new life happening every week. God, thank you for folks like Damati that are finding you in their life, that are coming back around to you, whether it's through starting point or whatever avenue that it is, God, that we, we can find hope, we can find grace, we can find freedom because of you, Jesus. And so I pray that tonight we would be able to be honest with ourselves and, and honest with you about perhaps those things that, that keep us from freedom. And that ultimately we can find some tools that will help us to experience the life that you want us to live. And so, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I know uh, Nicole mentioned earlier that she was very proud that she was car-free, uh, which is great. How many of you, though, do have a car like me? 
You, you have a car, you drive around, see, yeah, more of you. I win. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, but, but you've probably, if you have a car, if you've ever ridden in a car, you know somebody that has a car, so this is for all of us, right? You, you have this moment where you know that there's these lights on the dashboard, and they're very helpful, but sometimes some of them come on, and they're not the ones that you want to see, right? They're the warning lights. And, and some of them are at different uh, varying degrees of panic that they induce, right? Different reactions. Because uh, some of them we can see coming and some of them we, we don't. They surprise us, right? But, you know, easy ones like the gas light, you know, when that comes on, you know, you have to, you have to fill up, right? You, you've, you've seen it coming. The needle's kind of slowly gone down over time. And then now, you know, you have a certain amount of, you know, ways to go. And normally when we see the gas light come on, we don't panic and freak out because we know how to fix that problem, Right? If you're like me, you probably ask a different question. You wonder, how far can I really go before I actually run out of gas? Do I have to go to the suburbs for anything this week because gas is cheaper out there, right? And so if you're like me, that's, that's what you think, right? But then when the check engine light comes on or any of the red lights come on, it's a different feeling, right? It's a little bit more apprehension. It's a little bit more frustration, my dad always says that the check engine light really should just be a dollar sign because whatever it is, you know it's going to be expensive. Right? That should be the symbol of the light. And, and when we don't know how to fix a problem or we didn't see it coming, it, it elicits a different reaction from us. Right? You know this is true about you. It's true about me. That when we see something coming, we can plan for it or we know how to fix it. It doesn't bother us as much. But when we have a problem that we didn't know that we had, we respond much differently. And, and that's really nice and good in your car and, and when you have a warning light on your dashboard. But... But what about when it comes to your life? What about when it comes to my life? Where I find myself experiencing a problem all of a sudden that I didn't know that I had in my finances or in a relationship or if the check engine light comes on in your marriage or when the relationship takes a hard left turn that you weren't expecting and and something happens that you, you didn't know what to do with. Where you find yourself sitting down late at night with your eyes open laying in bed and you're like, I don't know even what question to ask to get myself out of this problem. We, we all have this sense of, of fear that might show up in those moments, right? Or what if it's an, an addiction that, you know, you, you try to get past, but you keep coming back around and getting stuck in it. Or a resolution that maybe you made at the new year, but now we're 20 days in and, you know, you wanted to get fit and you wanted to, you know, work out, eat all the right food, but now, you know, the treadmill's a coat rack, you know, the stair stepper is a bookshelf and you have clothes that don't fit that you just bought, Right? We have, we have these moments where, where we have this innate sense that, that something isn't quite right, but we don't know what it is, and we certainly might not know how to fix it. So what do you do when you have a problem that you didn't know you had? What do you do when something shows up in your life and you not only don't know how to fix it, but you didn't expect that to be a problem anyways? Everything was going fine. Everything was on cruise control. And all of a sudden, you're faced with a situation that you have to deal with that was not that was not in your life plan, right? That was not the story you hoped you would write. If we're all honest, we've had those kind of negative, subtle, real, sudden realizations, right? And, and they, they pop up in our life, and, and we might go back to these things that cause us to be unhealthy, right? The thing that, that used to be fun isn't fun anymore. The thing that was once an option is now a compulsion. The, the behavior that you kind of did to assert your independence in a situation has led you into dangerous codependence. What do, what do you, what you used to control now controls you. What, do you. what do you do in those situations? How do you fix the problems that we have in our heart, in our mind, in our soul? 
and the thing is with this is that all of these boil down to one very big problem that we don't know how to fix. And often, we don't realize that we have. And that problem is that when we're honest, we realize that we're not really free. That, that there's things in our life that control us. There's things in our life that direct our behavior. There's things in our life that we can't seem to overcome. And again, you, you've experienced this. You know, maybe you've started a diet this year, like I said, and, and you, you bought the juicer, and now it's just a countertop trophy, right? You, you, you bought the thing, you joined the gym, you, you did all the external things, but inside you can't seem to make the choices and decisions that lead towards substantial change. If they only made kale shakes that tasted like ice cream, we could all be in good shape, right? We have, we have this realization, and, and there's deeper parts of our life that, that we try to keep in the shadows and, and keep hidden because we know we're not free in those areas. You've experienced this in relationships. You've, you've made choices to stay with someone or to run from someone because of the areas that you know in your life you're not free. And if they get too close to figuring out those areas, you back out. Maybe you experience this at work or in your finances, that you work so hard, so hard, so hard to get ahead, and, and you say, it's just the industry that I'm in. That's how everybody, that's how everybody in my office does it, even though it, if you're honest, pushes against your integrity more than you wanted it to. That, that in your finances, you, you want to get ready and you want to budget and you, you maybe even did you know, all the work at budget boot camp on Saturday, but then you were hanging out with your friends and you saw that the half yearly sale at Nordstrom's was on again. And so the credit card pieced back together and you taped it up and you're like, yeah, it still works. Right? These, these things that get their, their hooks in us and, and drive us in a certain direction, that's actually not what we wanted our life to be. Right? Nobody ever woke up and said, I would love to be in debt. Right? I would love to have you know, mediocre relationships. I would love to work efficiently but never enjoy what I'm doing. Nobody ever, nobody ever says that. And I remember when I was in college, I came really you know, head-on collision with my lack of freedom. Uh, I went to college about four hours away from where I grew up. I grew up in Southern California. And so it was the perfect distance because I was far enough away from home that I didn't have to see any of my family or, or friends that I didn't like uh, anymore. Or, and, but I could still go back on the weekends if I needed you know, uh, free food or free laundry. Right? So it was a perfect amount of way. Um, and, and in high school, I, I had exaggerated about myself quite a bit. Maybe you do this as well, to try to get people to like me. And so when I went to college, I had this like commitment to myself. I'm not going to do it. It's going to be a fresh start. I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to try to make some real friendships and be authentic. Hopefully they go, you know, a, a good direction. But you know what? I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be real, no matter what. And if I have two friends, well, I'll hang out with them. If I have no friends, I'll study real hard, right, or whatever. <laughs> you know, spend time in my room reading books. Isn't that what you're supposed to do in college? And, uh, and, and yet, as much as I had good intentions, as I, as I had committed to myself and I promised to work really hard at it, three, four weeks into it, found myself doing the same thing over and over again, exaggerating, lying, trying to make myself look better than I thought I actually was. Again, nothing, nothing crazy, right? nothing that would get anybody's attention. But I found myself having to work really hard to keep my college friends from meeting anyone from back home. None of my college friends could ever drive me back home you know, on those long weekends to get free laundry done because I couldn't have them see that I didn't drive that cool truck. I drove a 1987 Volvo station wagon. Right? That would be bad news. Right? Apologize if anyone drives a 1987 Volvo station wagon. Um, 
But in, in, a, in a moment of incredible, embarrassing vulnerability, I, I was found out in, in one of those kind of exaggerated stories. And, and I had to confess that, yeah, I, I had radically stretched the truth in order to get people's you know, opinions of me to be what I wanted to be. That because I was controlled by what they thought of me, I had lied to them. That my desire to have a deep friendship was totally broken because I wasn't even being who I really was. And I remember one of my friends, she said to me, you know, when I was telling him that and I was all vulnerable, she goes, you know, we didn't really like you anyways. You know, you never gave us a chance. She said, you, you were always hiding behind the guy you thought we wanted you to be. And she was right. I had to marry that girl just to keep her in my life, to keep me in check, right? <laughs> um, but uh, the problem, like I said, that I didn't know I had was that I, I was not free. I was, control, I was controlled by what other people thought. And, and even as I was writing this message this week, and I, and I told the worship collective this before we came out tonight, that I, I've never had a message work on me so hard as this one. That here I am trying to write a message about freedom, and yet it's only bringing up the reality in my life that, that I'm controlled, I'm afraid and fearful and enslaved to what other people think of me. You know, is it going to be funny enough? Is it going to be deep enough? Is it going to be helpful? And I hope it is all those things, but, but we realize that, that we're not free. And, and we see glimpses of it. We see glimpses of freedom at times in our life. We can make choices that, that we think, you know, please the heart of God and, and draw us closer to him, or we become our true selves for, for a shining moment in a relationship, or we step into a hard conversation, or whatever it is, and we get a taste of freedom, but even that, even that isn't enough to keep us on that path. Even that can't be enough because we can't do it on our own. No matter how hard we try, no matter how difficult we might work at it, we find that the harder we work, the, the deeper the hole just gets. We just keep finding ourselves back where we started. And so we need God. We need God to solve the problem that we didn't even know that we had. And the Apostle Paul in, in the New Testament writes a lot about this. And we're going to look at a verse tonight where he, he explains to us not only what we're supposed to do in our life when it comes to freedom, but how and why we can do that. But this idea of freedom was, was a meta theme of almost all of Paul's writing. That, that we learned last week, if you were here, Pastor Jared taught us that, that Paul was the religious elite of his day. He was born in the right family. Right? He went to all the right schools. He knew all the right words. He did all the right things. He was so zealous for his faith that he even you know, put people in jail trying to defend what he thought was the right thing to do. And, and he was so animate about being right all the time as he's climbing you know, this religious ladder, as Jared said last week, that he finally gets to the top of it and guess who's there waiting for him? It's Jesus. And Jesus lovingly kicks the ladder out from under Paul, wrecks his life with his love and grace, and, and redirects Paul's path in an unbelievable way. And, and so Paul knew what it was like to be enslaved even to, to good things, and then to be set free from that. It was a big part of his story. And so in all of these letters that he would write to his friends and groups of people and little churches in different cities that he had been to, he, he often goes back and, and he says, I, I see you going back to those old patterns just like we're all susceptible to doing. And I want you to know that you were created for freedom. That, that God's greatest desire for you is to live free. And if you're honest, 
that's not going to do it for you. That path of going down, that decision you're making, that's not going to lead you there. And so Paul goes over and over again in almost every single one of his letters for a lengthy period of time talking about freedom. And the same is true in the book of Galatians. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't, uh, there's a blue Bible in the seat back pocket right in front of you. You can grab that. It's on page 812 in the blue Bibles. And we say this every week that if you don't have a Bible that you can read and understand, uh, we believe that this book is powerful and that the, the truths that are in it really can set you free. And so if, if, this is, uh, if this is your first time here or if you've been here for a while and you don't have a Bible that you can read and understand, we would love for you to steal this Bible from church, right? It ups your street cred, all right? You can steal a Bible from church, but, but please take it with you. It's our gift to you. We believe that it can transform your life. Um, and so, and again, we're going to look at one verse tonight. And it might not sound like a lot, but, but the, the death and the power of the words that Paul writes for us uh, and to this church in Galatia, the, the words that he writes are, are so endearing and so powerful and so clear a picture of the heart of God that, that it's, it's enough for us to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to do it. And so, again, it's in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 on page 812 in the Blue Bible. It says this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And I read it for you and for me. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I love it how he, he talks about these, these two aspects of freedom in this one verse, right? There, there's, there's one sense that it's, it's incredibly present and active, and another sense that is past tense and final. And this glorious dichotomy that Paul shows us in, in the sense of our freedom is very important, right? That it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Uh, any English teacher would tell you that that's a very bad grammatical sentence, right? It's forward thinking and past thinking at the same time, right? But that it's for freedom, for our freedom, for us to live out and remain in freedom that Christ has, past tense, set us free. That there's something that, that only Jesus could do to finalize our freedom. That if you and I are in Christ, if we've decided to place our faith in him, that we are no longer slaves to our sin. We are no longer, you know, captured by the fact that we have these desires that we, we know we shouldn't fulfill. We no longer have to worry about where we're going to spend eternity, that all of that stuff is paid for and done and over with. We don't have to work at that anymore. It's done. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. But stand firm then. And do not again go back to the yoke of slavery. Do not let yourselves again be burdened. I love that word. Because isn't that true? To be burdened by the things that, that hold us back. Those things that we go back to, if we're, if we're honest, they're a burden. They're heavy. We want them, we want them out of our life. They're, they're difficult to carry. And yet, so many times we can read a verse like this and go, okay, I got, I got to work harder then. I got to try harder. Especially in, in, in church, right? We got, we got to do better. I grew, up, I grew up going to church my whole life. And so much of my struggle was very similar to Paul's. Right? That's the only time I'll compare myself to him ever. Was that I wanted to be right all the time. I worked really, really hard to, to do what I thought God wanted me to do. And at the end of the day, it only left me tired, empty, frustrated, 
And worst of all, judgmental about other people that I didn't think, I didn't see were working as hard as I was. All right? But this is so difficult for us to, to understand that, that what Paul is saying here is that he's not saying work harder. All right? That, that we're, we're driven to, to try to earn these things that, that ultimately God has said, no, it's already been taken care of. You can't achieve it. You can't do it on your own. You have to simply accept it. The reality is, is that freedom is not something that we can achieve. It's something that we have to receive. That maybe the reason that you're sitting here tonight, as burnt out as you are, or, or as, as difficult as this week has been, or, or as much as you're, you're kind of downtrodden under that addictive pattern, the reason that might be is because you've been trying to achieve freedom. And yet, when we're honest, we all know that you, you can't achieve freedom. It has to be given to you. When Paul's writing to this, this group of people, they, they live in a context where slavery was very much out in the open. And, and, and we still have slaves in this country, but it's not as out in the open as perhaps it used to be, right? So we forget about it. We don't, we don't remember that the context of slavery isn't, isn't normal to us as much as it would have been to this group of people. But, but for them, it was very normal to, to own slaves, to maybe even the people that were reading it, to have their own slaves that did their work for them. And they knew how, how that system worked is once you purchased a slave, that slave was yours. And until someone else came and purchased that slave for you, they belonged to you. And, and that freedom that was given to that slave had to be given. They couldn't earn it. And, and many of us, most like many of these people that Paul might have been writing to, we don't think of ourselves as slaves. We're, we're Americans. We think we're free, right? But what Paul is telling us, what ultimately God is telling us through Paul is that you and I are actually very much, at times, slaves. And that's a hard truth to swallow. And that we can't earn our way, we can't achieve our way out of that fact. And that's hard because our culture teaches us that you gotta earn things, right? You're like me, you're an achievement-oriented person. You love to make lists and check off boxes. Right? You love to hear, good job, well done, you did it. Right? You know from growing up, or maybe you're a parent and you're teaching your kids right now, you got to eat your vegetables and then you get your dessert, right? You got to put in the work before you get the payoff, right? What's that old adage, no pain, no gain? Oh, you've heard of it too. Yeah, right? We don't, we don't like that one, but it's true, right? You, you got to finish your homework before you can watch TV or play video games. You got to do your job before you get your paycheck. Imagine going to your boss now in January, right, and saying, you know what? I was a really good worker last year. I'm probably going to be a pretty good worker this year. Can I get my Christmas bonus now? I just got some things I want to take care of, and that extra money would be really helpful, right? What, what, what would your boss say? Probably just laugh at you and say, get out of my office, right? That we have to do the work before we get the reward. You don't get the trophy just for playing the game. You have to win, unless you're on a five-year-old t-ball team, right? <laughs> Different message, but, you know, whatever, right? Everybody wins at five, um, but we, we have this ingrained in us that I have to earn this. And so when it comes to our spiritual life, when it comes to our relationship with God, so many of us, myself included, it's like, yeah, Jesus, I can, I can accept that you paid for my salvation because I can't do that on my own. But then the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday part of my life, like, that's, that's on me. I'll take care of this one. I can handle this one. And yet God in his loving grace says, firmly but gently, you can't. 
And the sooner we recognize that, the easier it will be. I had to realize, and I hope we realize tonight, that all my work, all my desire to achieve never brought me closer to God. It just makes me tired. It just makes me frustrated. It never makes me free. And as Paul is writing to these people that love God and, and, and are part of the church, and he says, don't go back to those things. And I think he says the same thing to us tonight. Don't go back. Receive the freedom that God wants to offer us and, and, and don't go back. That you, you know, you can have everything sorted out in your life. You can have all the peripheral stuff look like it's all set. You can have everything look like it's good. You can even be a, a, a Christian and, and still be living in slavery and still be living in bondage to those aspects of our life. We know that this is true when we're really honest. Right? We know that this is, we've experienced this. And, and so you, you probably, like me, have your reasons for why that's true. This is why I do those things that I do, these things that annoy my partner, but I can't seem to quit doing them. Like, well, it's because of this, this, and this. Right? My, my, my anger issue, well, it's just because of my dad, and that's, you know, that's just how it's always been. Right? Now, workaholism, I'm not, I'm not a workaholic. I'm, I'm just busy. Right? It's just the season of life I'm in. And that, those might be very true. I'm not diminishing that. But I think there's an underlying driver, a, a fundamental kind of current that, that leads our behavior, that, that directs our life, that is really the cause of, of a lot of these choices that we make. And, and you may not like what I think it is, and that, that's okay. Um, but I think if we can look at this and, and, and be honest about it, we can actually make progress. And, and if we don't, we, we might not. And, and I think that the underlying driver that pushes our behavior, our decision-making, our spending, how we do relationships, those things that we keep going back to that, that draw us back into slavery, the underlying things that pushes us that direction is fear. It's fear. And that might be hard to swallow. Right? You might be pushing back on me right now. Who does this guy think he is? Nobody tells me I'm afraid. Right? Nobody puts a baby in a corner, right? <laughs> and, and yet I know that what drives those situations in my heart and my life is, is fear. And I, and I bet if you and I were to go to coffee, we were to sit down at a table and have a one-on-one conversation, eye-to-eye and, and knee-to-knee, and say, you know, these areas in our life, right, if we could just be really vulnerable for just a quick second, these areas in our life that, that we don't even like about ourselves, the, these relational patterns, why we're still with him or her, why we still have that job, why we still act the way we do. The, the reason that we do that is because if we had that conversation, you'd probably say, well, I, I do that because if I didn't, I would be afraid that, oh, well, if I stop doing this, he might not, and I'm afraid that he might not, oh. If I don't work this hard and I don't, you spend the extra hours and sacrifice my relationship with my kids for my job, I'm afraid that I'll miss out on, oh. If I don't push my kids to be in all these things and to, you know, I'm living vicariously through them, if I didn't do all that, they might miss out on, oh. And, and we're afraid, actually. And, and, and we're actually okay admitting that in some of those off-kilter moments because we know it's true. When we run across those problems that we didn't know we had, we can very easily get preoccupied with our 
you know, increased sense of vulnerability. And so we grab for those senses of control, whatever we can, whatever we can control. Right? We try to hold on to that. And we work. We try to achieve instead of rest and receive the freedom that God offers us. You have to receive it. You can't achieve it. And it's because of fear. It's because we fear other people. It's because we fear our partner. We might even fear what God might say if we bring those areas out of the shadows and into the light. And yet, all all along, the Bible tells us over and over again that God is love and that perfect love casts out all fear. That, That God's perfect love, when you really experience that, when it really grabs a hold of your heart, that, that it actually casts out all fear. So how do, we, how do we receive this freedom? How do we do that? We want it. We might even know we need it. That, that feeling is creeping up in your heart or in your throat that you know that there's something that needs to change. There's an area in your life or a pattern that you keep going back to that maybe you've been thinking about for about 35 minutes now, Right? How do we do that? If, if we know we need it and we actually want it, that there's got to be something that we can, we can do. Right? This isn't just important information. There's got to be something that we can receive from God for it to become true transformation in our life. Receiving freedom for you might be accepting the help that is available. That, that it's, it's asking for help from God or from a friend. Or maybe it's seeing a counselor. Or going to a support group for whatever it is that you might be wrestling with. For that thing that has its hooks in you. Right? Whether it's cocaine or it's control. Right? Whether it's pride or if it's pornography. That you need to receive from God the loving freedom that comes in the form of asking for help. Maybe it's that you need to find a trusted group of friends that you can actually take your mask off with. You can sit in a circle and say, this is, this is the real me. That thing I, I tried to do in college and couldn't do on my own. All right? That problem I didn't know I had, that I was addicted and, and enslaved to people, people's opinions of me. I needed to find a, a group of friends that I could be really transparent with and, and vulnerable with and know that, that they're not going to stab me in the back, that they're going to listen, and that when I go back into achievement mode, they're going to remind me, wait, 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 Kurt, receive. Maybe, maybe you need to find a group of friends. They can do that. That's why we do small groups here, right? There's hundreds and hundreds of people in our church that have found freedom from God in a circle, in a small group at Stoll City because they can be their real self and let their true self out and learn how to do that in the context of community. Maybe receiving freedom means that you need to stop striving to get your way all the time. If you're honest, you you see the same pattern show up in lots of areas of your life. And the one thing that's true about all those areas of your life is that you're there. And so it's always a problem with the people at work and your family and your roommates, everyone around you. Maybe receiving freedom actually turns the light and turns the lens back on your heart. So God, why, why do I feel this need to control everything all the time? Why do I have to have it my way? I think God will free us from that. 
And he'll lovingly speak in and say, you don't have to control everything. I've, I've got this. Receiving freedom might mean that you need to confess some things to your partner, to the people that you work with, to a spouse, to God. That there might be a sin pattern in your life that, that if you're honest, it, it has got its hold on you and it has not let go. And the great news is, like I said before, is that a slave doesn't earn its freedom, it's set free. And the great news is, is that you are not subject to that sin. It is not your master. But the Bible tells us that Jesus has purchased your freedom. But you know what the best weapon you have against that sin in your life is? It's confession. That when we voice those things that we would rather keep hidden, the things that are way over here in the dark, right? When, when we bring those things out into the light and we speak the truth about ourselves, transformation happens. I don't know how to explain it. I just know it happens. And so maybe for you tonight, you need to make a phone call. Maybe you need to take your wife out and say, this isn't going to be one of those fun dates. I might have some things I need to say. Maybe when you go to work on Monday or Tuesday, you, you need to be honest about some things that you knew. They, they bumped your integrity before, and you say, oh, that's just, how, that's just how everybody does it in this business. And you need to confess. Maybe you need to, you need to forgive yourself for a failed marriage. And you need to know that, that you're not defined by your mistakes. Maybe you need to stop being enslaved by your work performance and let God speak his freedom in your life to realize that someone else is going to do your job someday. But no one else can be the father or the mother or the daughter or the son that you are. Nobody else is going to hold that position. And you need to make some adjustments and ask God to help you realign some priorities in your life. Maybe receiving freedom for you looks like the fact that you need to let God invade that area of your heart that tells you over and over and over again that you're not good enough. That you're addicted to the mirror or you're addicted to the scale or you're addicted to comparison and you need to let God speak lovingly but firmly into your, your heart. Say, I didn't make a mistake when I made you the way I made you. That, that you don't have to be who everybody else wants you to be. You be you. I didn't go, oops, when you came out, right? And to live in the, the person that God's created you to be, flaws and faults and all, that his opinion shouldn't drive your life. Her opinion shouldn't control your decisions. You don't need another guy to tell you that you're beautiful, to tell you that you matter, right? You don't have to do everything he asks you to do, but that you can listen to your heavenly father who tells you that you're valuable, tells you that you're beautiful exactly who you are. Maybe receiving freedom for you means that when you look in the mirror and instead of seeing your own face, you see your father's and you're petrified by fear of being to your kids or to your spouse, the dad and husband that your dad was, and that's not a good thing. That fear that haunts you and cripples you, you need to know that God says you can write a new legacy for your family. You don't, you don't have to be that guy. You don't have to be that girl. You're not a slave to your sin anymore. It's not your master. That when Jesus said it right before he died on the cross for all of our sins, that when he said it's finished, that he meant it. That you don't have to strive to prove yourself 
The reality is, is that you're accepted and you need to receive that. You're accepted just as you are and all your failing and all your fear and all your work and all those things that you try to do to prove yourself that regardless and actually in spite of all those things, you are still free. So stop living in fear. That last one was for me. When we receive from God what he has so generously offered to us, the, the, the love that he poured out for us by giving of his son, when, when we actually experience that in a full way, we can't help to extend that to the relationships and the people in our life. That instead of that boss or that coworker who it feels like it's their life mission to pull you down, and so when you walk into work, they just like from start to finish, eight to five, you feel like they're just on your back, right? That instead of being enslaved to their opinions and their frustrating words, that you can actually speak freedom. That when you've experienced freedom from God yourself, you can actually speak freedom in that environment. You could actually help free them by what God is doing in you. What, what if instead of, you know, always being frustrated, oh, I yelled at my kids again, or I yelled at my, you know, my partner or the person I'm dating again. Like, what, if, what if instead you, you received love from God and that you could speak words of life and truth and love into their life? That actually, when you get free, when I get free, it's not just for me. That, that when God frees one of us, he asks us to, to go out and spread freedom. That when he frees one of us, many people get free. That it's for freedom that Christ has set me free. It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And so, as the, as the man comes up, I want you to grab that card that was on your seat. Right? And on the front, it has the, the series Awakening Graphic, and on the back, it has uh, a couple lines that says Awaken to Freedom. Would you, would you grab that? You might, you might be sitting on it. And and this week, my, my challenge for us, my, my challenge for me is that we would read this every day and that we would make it a prayer. And that especially when the, you know, the next time comes up that we find ourselves wanting to go back to the yoke of slavery, as Paul refers to it as. We want to go back to that addiction or, or back to that thing that gives us a quick fix or back to that you know, thing that keeps us from, from wanting to face those areas that we've left in the dark. When we go down, go back to hiding or back to cheating or back to lying, whatever it is, when we want to go back to that, that we would actually stop and remember that God's invited us to receive freedom. When we go back to that, that mindset, I got to earn this and I got to work real hard, that we would stop and rest and receive from God. That when that fear and those tapes replay in your life, and, and the, the voices come back in your head and that fear creeps in again, that we can remember that God says, I love you, I'm with you, and my perfect love can cast out all fear in your life. There's a blank on here, and, and that blank is for you to fill in what it is that, that is that area in your life that, that is keeping you from living in freedom. And, and you might have one that you've been, again, thinking about this whole time, and you know that that's been a constant struggle for you. And if you know that every day this week you need to pray for freedom in that area, you, you can write it in if you want. But if, if you're like me, you can, you can leave it blank because the reality is, as I know for me in my life this week, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. But there might be a time in my marriage when, when I want to run 
and, and try to earn my freedom. And so that day, I, I need to pray for freedom in my marriage. There might be another time when I'm struggling with uh, an, an addiction or a temptation, whether it's getting my own way or, or being right all the time or, or going back into achievement mode instead of staying in dependence mode. And that day, I need to pray for that. So whatever, whatever it is for you, I want you to pray that this week. So to help get you started, let's, let's read it out loud together. All right, you can say the word blank where the blank is. Everybody just got nervous. You don't have to say your actual thing right here. Okay, this isn't a mass confession. Uh, maybe next week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's read this out loud together, all right? It's on your card. It says, blank is an area where I've been trying to achieve freedom. Today, I want to receive freedom and invite you to do a work in me. And when we invite God to do the work in us, he's not gonna judge us, he's not gonna shame us, but instead he's gonna, he's gonna surprise us. He's gonna show up with his power, with his love, with his open arms. But you know what also might be true? Is that when you pray this, when you commit to praying this, God might lovingly redirect your life back towards some of your greatest fears. And that's not because God's manipulative. It's not because God's cruel. But, but those things that you've been thinking about anyways every day, that you wake up thinking about and you, it's the last thing you think about before you fall asleep, and you've been trying to handle that on your own, God might lovingly guide you right back to those things. But this time say, let's, let's take this together just like he did for me this week. So I'm writing a message on freedom and, and I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm living in fear. He goes, he goes, Kurt, see? I'm right there. There's still something that I'm keeping from God. And God, God wants all of us. And, and the reality is he deserves all of us. And life is so much better when we live in the light. And so he might take you back to those areas. He might take you back to those habits or those addictions or those fears and, and I encourage you, because that might be difficult, and I just want to encourage you, let him. Let him. And listen to his voice. Listen to the spirit that says, we're going to do this together this time. And that you can receive freedom and not try to achieve it. This is an area where I've been trying to achieve freedom. Today I want to receive freedom and invite you, God, to do a work in me. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So my encouragement for us this week is that we live that way, that our relationships show that way, that our finances show that way, that our attitudes and our, and our worship reflects the fact that God's greatest desire for you is for you to live in freedom. That's, that's why we created this church. That's why, we, that's why we, we gather together. That's why we hope you invite people and that I invite people to experience what, what only God can provide that we can't do on our own. That's why we, that's why we sing. That's why we worship. It's why we listen to the word and, and open it together. It's why we give. It's why we're a part of what God is doing. It's why we're making more room. And so that more and more people in our city that you know, that I know, and you and me can experience the freedom that, that God so desperately desires and ultimately designed us to live in. That's why we give. That's why we sing. That's why we're here. 
And so in a second, we're going to do something that we do every time we gather. And it's just to continue in our worship, to give back to God and to say, God, I'm so grateful that you did for me what I couldn't do for myself. That you solved a problem that I didn't even know I had. That you've invited me close when I want to stay hidden. You've changed my life. And so if that's your story, I'd, I'd encourage you to give joyfully. That when we, when we expand what we're doing here, we invite more people in that they can experience the same love and freedom that God has for each and every one of us tonight. That, that more and more people would live in that and get to hear the good news, the freedom in Jesus. And so in a second, the host team is going to come and, and the band's going to sing. And I'd encourage you, give and, and sing in freedom. And then take this card this week and, and, and pray for freedom, receive, and then live in freedom. Can we do that together? Let's, let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you didn't require for us to, to earn our freedom or achieve it, that we don't have to work harder or do better. But God, you came for us. Even when we didn't realize that we were enslaved, even now tonight, when I, when we don't realize that we're enslaved to these things that keep us from living the full life that you promise us, God, you come and you rescue us. That you, you who had no sin remove the, the guilt we have for ours. For you that, that was free to, to do anything that you wanted rips us out of those patterns that control us. That you defeated the thing that has its hooks in us and said, that's not your master anymore and you invite us to follow you. What a, what a beautiful story. I'm so glad it's true. Jesus, thank you that you set us free for freedom. May our lives this week, as we confess those things that hold us back and as we, we live and speak and act free in every area that we're in, in our relationships, at work, that we would bring freedom this week, that we would be a church that lives in freedom, that when people come in, they can be their authentic selves. They don't have to hide. They don't have to pretend. God, thank you that it's all because of you that that's even possible. So God, we worship you. We sing to you. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.